Hi, how are you? It's been a long time. I'm sorry about that. I've been busy. And I know you've been busy too. A quick note before we jump into this stellar episode. I want to give a quick shout out to Tristan Bruns from the Mad Rhythms Podcast Network and host of the Gasps for a Dying Art Form podcast. He's been super kind and supportive, a friend of this podcast. In a recent episode of Gasps, uh, he asked me to please improve the sound quality of this podcast. And therein lies what I want to talk to you about. As it stands now, I book the guests. I schedule the call, do the interview. I write the, a, an opening preamble like the one you're listening to right now. I edit everything together, make a poster in Canva, write a summary of the conversation, then post it to SoundCloud and various social media for free. Uh, if that were all I was doing... No problem, right? But there are so many other things on my plate in terms of responsibility in my real life that I've had to straight up stop podcasting. So this is the start of a journey to seek help. First, I've archived all of the past episodes and made them available to Taplift Tour Patreon subscribers. General audiences will have access to the newest 10 episodes, but it will be limited to the latest 10 episodes. If you want to dig into the crates of the past episodes, subscribe to us on Patreon. Second, uh, I'm not sure how how to do it yet because I'm not sure what it should look like. But I'm going to be reaching out for help. Ideally, uh, I would like to jump on a Zoom call with a guest, conduct an interview, and then go about my business. Uh, I need help to book the guests and edit the show, essentially. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Patreon really helps uh, to make that a reality so that I can compensate people uh, to maintain the flow of this show. I do not take money from Patreon to pay myself. The money goes directly to fund Tap Love Tour art-making tings, you know. Um, If you can handle a few dollars per month, then please subscribe to us on patreon.com slash Travis Knights. You know, I wish it was slash Tap Love Tour. If I can change it, I will. But for now, listen, patreon.com slash Travis Knights. That's where you go to support Tap Love Tour. Now, this is the first chunk of free time that I've had in a long while, so I'm feeling really good. Listening back to this unreleased episode made me feel even better. We taped it toward the end of 2023, so please forgive me for this backlog and then a couple of more backlogs that you'll be getting to. Um, so, listen, without further ado, this is the Tap Love Tour Podcast. The Tap Love Tour Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Travis Knights. We have a great show for you today uh, that is a long time coming. Uh, I've been wanting to connect and speak to our guest today for years on end, and we finally made it happen. You know, there are certain conversations that make me uh, nervous, nervous to my core, because there's just so much to mine. uh, um, And I'm not even certain, based on my own experiences, that I have access to the right questions. But That's where intentions come in to save the day. We'll get back to that, though. Uh, Our guest today is the co-founder of the Jazz Tap Ensemble, Lynn Daly, along with Fred Strickler and Camden Richmond. Jazz Tap Ensemble was created in 1979. It's billed as America's first touring tap dance company. Uh, Lynn Daly is a whole library of knowledge and experience unto herself, dancer, artistic director, choreographer, documentary filmmaker. 
She's worked alongside uh, Honey Coles, uh, the Nicholas Brothers, Steve Condos, Brenda Buffalino, Sarah Petronio, Eddie Brown, Diane Walker, Jimmy Slide, <gasps> and Gregory Hines in theaters all over the globe. She is the first tap dancer to be awarded the Guggenheim Fellowship uh, in Choreography. Lynn Daly is revered and recognized for her contributions to the, to the tap dance renaissance. It is an honor and privilege to get to speak with you. But before we do, before we do, I, I want to be clear. Yes, I still have my absolutely selfish curiosities that I, I think will benefit those who listen. Uh, but I'm also uh, mourning right now. I'm, I'm mourning the loss of my teacher, uh, Ethel oh. Bruno, as she passed away uh, very recently. And, uh, you know, this is the woman that um, uh, guided me, ushered me in, welcomed me into uh, a life of tap dance. Originally from Harlem, New York, she moved to Montreal in the 50s um, after touring with Cab Calloway. And over time, um, as she um, went about her career as Miss Swing performing in the club, she started teaching. And in the 90s, a young tap dancer named Travis Knights went into her school and my life was changed um, she you. brought she brought me into the culture with the quickness from day one she taught me about bill bojangles robinson you must know your history whose shoulders are you standing on over the past uh month after her passing um i've had to do shows um and i've been <clears throat> i've been ugly crying on stage uh, uh um to, to be perfectly honest it's 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 i'm I'm at this point now where um i kind of don't want to dance in the world without ethel right um and and so i'm taking some time off whatever that means um at least taking some time off of the stage so i can uh, collect my thoughts and remember um my why for the dance um but in the meantime it, it's gotten me very aware of how precious our time is. And I know that it's, it's if, if we were to take a time machine and go back to Travis Knights as, as a 10 year old, there's no, no way that I'm performing on stage or, or doing a podcast, like, like opening up with my emotions uh, and my thoughts and, and talking to people. I was insanely shy, but this dance, this community <clears throat> has taught me a lot of things. And I'm in, in love with the dance so much that um, it forces me to get outside of myself and approach people <laughs> with no shame, like Alin Daly, and ask questions that are, that are deep in my mind. And with a lot of young people that I've met uh, in my time, I've, I've witnessed a lot of shyness, a lot of, um, well, I can ask them tomorrow or or maybe, you know, next time I see them, I'll do this or I'll do that. And maybe next time, maybe next time. No, 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 no. No. Um, the time is now. Um, and so I, I, I feel fortunate that I've met and worked with a lot of masters and I've um, had the presence of mind to ask them questions and 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 have my own relationships with them. And, you know, with the new generations coming up, um, I want to figure out how to model our oral tradition, how to model uh, 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 practice uh, of mentorship and guidance, um, 
how to model being bold. Not, hopefully not obnoxious. We'll see by the end of this, Lynn. We'll see. Uh, but hopefully not obnoxious, but uh, uh, how to model um, what it is to come with, come as yourself to an elder and ask a question that'll likely guide your life. Um, like the mentors that I've had um, uh, in my past. And so, you know, I've had the uh, extraordinary pleasure of uh, getting to know Ali Stewart uh, as a young person, Ali Stewart as a, as a student, as a lover of tap dance. And like, I only taught her for like, what, a month? I don't know, a week? Who knows? You can't trust me with time. Uh, uh, you can't trust me with time off of the wood. Hey, now. But uh, the um, <clears throat> the little bit of time that I have spent with Ali, um, I, I leave class like scratching my head going like, who is this person? What? Who, who is this? Like, who? <laughs> who? stays after class and asks about history who who asks for a private lesson and asks not to put on her tap shoes just to learn about the history of the form that they're engaged in ali stewart does and so uh, in this quest uh, or this desire i have to model the oral tradition to model the passing on of information from one generation to the next i've asked that ali stewart be here uh to help ask some questions hi ali how you doing today I'm good. Lynn, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> it's a it's a long it's a long preamble, um, but uh, we we have to get it all said. Uh, but, but but you know, just to prove that I'm absolutely selfish, Ali, uh, I'm going to ask the first question. How about that? Uh, <laughs> hi, Lynn. First of all, thank you. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Oh, me? Yeah, good. you're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, Listen, I wasn't there. I only, I only am the beneficiary of the uh, tap renaissance. Now I know that there's a lot going on uh, at the at the time uh, uh, in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. But can you take me back to nineteen seventy eight, right? The year before you start um, jazz tap ensemble. Can you can you um, flesh out what the environment was like, what the scene was like? What was missing that you felt needed to be filled? Yeah, why, yeah. why were we compelled? Yeah. <laughs> why did we go on a mission? Yeah. Right? The, the mission was save tap dance for the world. I oh mean, that, there's no question about that. And what, <clears throat> what was tap dance for us at that time was very much, we felt we, we came from the heritage of the 30s and 40s. Mm. in black dance mm -hmm. um our original top name for our company was jazz tap percussion ensemble Ooh, nice. because <laughs> yeah fine you know our agent finally said you know that's too long it'll never fit on a marquee you're gonna have to do better than that but it, we named ourselves that way because that was the term that we learned from uh baby lawrence and bubbles hmm. and um others um their description of themselves jazz, uh, uh, yeah, what what are you what are you doing who are you what are you i'm a jazz top percussionist wow. we, we just took to that okay Let's so that, that's one thing but to try to answer your question it's a huge question um and i gotta say this about oral history 
not so long ago, I just did eight hours <laughs> of oral history that's in Tap Oral History, New York Public Library Dance Collection. Wow. Like, first of all, you have to know that exists. And then I'm just a recent addition to it. There are many people ahead of me. Um, and so there are hours and hours of of, um, of oral history, no visuals. I mean, this is just purely, yeah. My favorite. Anyway, anyway you, you can, you know, and Allie, you can look that up and just see, just look at the list of who's, who's on there, you know, mm. and that'll give you some idea of what's, and the big effort they've put into it to uh you know save the history mm. bigger answer to your question like 70s uh for us it was a, a re-meeting on the west coast we all had some tap in our backgrounds mm -hmm. uh for me and fred we knew each other since we were 12 or 13 or 11 at my father's studio in columbus ohio so there's a whole i have a whole heritage with a father who had the biggest studio in town, who had branch studios, who was, who wouldn't take me as a five-year-old. I had to be eight to study with him, you know, who gave me practice sheets every week that I had to check off the boxes, wow. you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a great, great gift. I mean, it was hard, you know, it was hard, but it was a great gift. I learned a lot. <laughs> between what? the ages of eight and 13. You know? What's your father's name? Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy at... Rollins. Yeah. He, he passed at 97. Wow. Fantastic. Um, but he taught, he taught until he was like 88 and then dementia began wow. to take over. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those people who's never going to leave this. He loved it. I mean, he loved his work. Hmm. Um. But what I'm trying to say about that part is I had that heritage. Fred got a scholarship at my dad's studio. He was already known as a up and coming ballet dancer in mm. our town, but my dad gave him a scholarship for tap. Okay. And then Fred and I both went to Ohio state dance department, different years. I'm older. Um, anyway, we remet, remet in California where Fred had become a member of Bella Lewitsky company and where I had moved in 76 to take a job at UCLA uh, dance department in, in modern dance. I was mm. known as modern dancer then. And so was Fred. And Camden never wanted anybody to know she was known as a modern dancer, but she was one of the best dancers in Margaret Jenkins' San Francisco classes where a bunch of us modern dancers met and where I put together my first little modern adventure in 73, four. So, <clears throat> but what I wanna say about the late seventies, as I look at it, and this is getting harder and harder because I'm my memory's getting more selective or less <laughs> capable, I don't know. Um, but in the late seventies, here's the point. What tap dancing was there at that time? Camden was following very closely on Honey Cole's career. Honey was in the Broadway musical Bubblin' Brown Sugar. Bubblin' Brown Sugar was on a national tour in the late 70s, and Honey was in it, uh, you know, featured. Okay. Uh, so there was Bubblin' Brown Sugar as a Broadway thing. Gregory was starting to build his Broadway career, which he had a fantastic 
span of, of uh, you know, shows and what he did and everything on Broadway before before he changed the whole idea of what could happen with a tap dance idea. Um, his, you mean through uh, the movie Tap or like? No, no, no. Before the movie Tap. This is before the movie Tap way. Um, improvography would be ah. the key word. That's the word Gregory applied to what he was now doing as he began to make his transition from Broadway dance, you know, Broadway singer, dancer, actor, mm -hmm. starting to get movie stuff, TV, you know, all those things. Wanting, you know, definitely aiming to be triple threat uh, after his idol, Sammy Davis Jr. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Oh, there's so many parts to this. But let me sort this out. So there's Bubbling Brown Sugar, Broadway, all black musical featuring Honey Coles. <clears throat> this is before uh, My One and Only. That comes later. So you can start. But it's good. To, I, I When I was teaching at UCLA um, last many years, from like 2000 to 2012, I got into this thing about make a chronology. So, Allie, make a chronology. <laughs> She's on it, I promise. <laughs> and, and, and topic, you know, topic it however you want. But, like, okay, so we got Bummer Brown Sugar. And then, okay, I said I moved to L.A. in 76. I think it was 77 that I saw Jimmy Slide live for the first time in L.A., um, at, you know, at a major theater. And the show was called A Thousand Years of Jazz. Oh, wow. It had five great top dancers, that big black and white floor. Because I know they filmed, you know, you see this image, and I don't know if it's from that show, but that show had a big black and white tile floor, looked mm. like. Um, yeah. And who were the other dancers? Buster, Ralph Brown. Buster Brown, Ralph Brown. Who did... Um, Oh, the woman in New Jersey, her mentor, who New did Jersey. the jump up, uh, you know, everybody had a, everybody had like a specialty. It was yeah. part of how to, how do you be in show business in those years? You had to have something that that uh, distinguished you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the man that did the jump rope, I can't. Oh. This, this is where it's going to get hard. I'd have to come back in an hour and give you names, you know, but you'll find them. You'll yeah. find them. Uh, anyway, so there were five men, and then the band was behind the floor. So the dancers are dancing forward, you know, in the front half of the stage. And the band was probably 20 to 24 pieces on <laughs> a couple of risers. Yeah, genuine live music. That's uh, the kind of show it was, live yeah. music. <laughs> and very, very expensive. <laughs> Yeah, some guy, it wasn't an American who put it together. It was, uh, he was either British or Australian. Okay. This is pre-stomp, too. Right. Yeah, anyway. <clears throat> um, so I'm saying, for me, those were the two major tap things. And there was also, a, oh, what was the show? Can't think the title of it. This is where it's going to get hard. Uh, there's another Broadway show that was more where the tapping was 
what you would call Broadway style. Uh, no, no, Nanette. Uh, oh, that's okay. the name of the show. Okay, so if you put those three things together on the same page, you start to get a picture of what was out there in tap dancing. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> very few people had the kind of older experience of clubs because there weren't any. Um, Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. Okay, John Hendricks. Lambert Hendricks and Ross look up vocalese. You'll love it. It'll give you that. There's a whole history just in that one group trio. Anyway, one of those three, John Hendricks had created a new show in San Francisco called Evolution of the Blues. And that show on purpose featured always one tap dancer who had, you know, who came and went many times, you know, who had who was featured, yeah. had much to do it with the show. And that was how I met Eddie Brown, because at that point where I was starting to really make more connection with Camden, uh, he was her favorite only private teacher in San Francisco, Oakland, Oakland really. Um, and Eddie was in Evolution of the Blues. When Later, when Eddie did move to L.A. and I got to work with him directly over a period of 10 years. So I consider him one of my real teachers, too. Mm -hmm. um, what am I trying to say about it? Uh, when that show, Evolution of the Blues, came to L.A., it featured a tap dancer named Foster Johnson. Who, who I had met as a child in my father's dance school in Columbus, Ohio. Cool. This is like Ross on Roland Kirk. You know, there are a few great people from Columbus, Ohio. Um, and so Foster Johnson was one of them. He was a black tap dancer that my white father brought into the studio for a master class. Mm. Our studio also had like the second floor was the main thing it had the big ballroom with the mural on the wall you know cuban dancers ruffles mm. uh the ballet room facing the high street smaller but very organized you know uh, private studios for smaller things offices blah blah but the third floor was unfinished <clears throat> clean a lot of wood but unfinished, not furnished, not anything. And the only people who could go up there were the advanced tap dancers. <laughs> so that was that was a goal in our studio was to get good enough to be invited <laughs> to go up to the third floor. Oh, my favorite. But when Foster came, you know, the point was for everybody who could tap at all to get a chance to meet him and have a class with him. Mm. And he was working in Columbus at that time, and he came from there. He was also, this is old show business stuff. He was married to uh, Uhuru on Star Trek. Oh, that wow. Was, that was each of their first marriages. Yeah. He wasn't as famous as her and never would be. But yeah. So by the time I, by the time I came to L.A., I'm saying Foster then took, had the role in Evolution of the Blues created by John Hendricks that Eddie Brown had had up north. So Foster had it in LA. It had a nice long run. Um, 
And so I went backstage and reintroduced myself. I said, hi, hello, Foster. I'm Lynn. And then I gave my maiden name, Lynn Rollins. He went, no. He had me come to his little studio on Venice Boulevard. He had a little storefront studio with Hollywood pictures up on the top mm -hmm. along the wall <clears throat> and a mirror on the other wall, you know, that kind of like <laughs> thing. Um, he had me come there and he gave me a picture of him leading the class uh, at the piano, sitting at the grand piano, and then this line of kids. And I was like one of the youngest. Oh, my gosh. Like short to tall. And then my mother at the end of the line. So it was one of those incredible, you know, memories. Mm -hmm. um, but let's, can we go back just for a second? Yeah. So, so this picture of Tap. A really fine article was written about Jazz Tap Ensemble because Camden was very good at getting the right kind of attention to PR. Mm. And she knew a guy who wrote for the San Francisco Chronicle or some, a newspaper up north. And he did a uh, he did a two-page spread. Yeah. The article was called Baby, Boy, Bubbles, Baby. Ugh. Anyway, it referred to this, the art of rhythm tap mm -hmm. and how the jazz tap ensemble's aspirations were to bring rhythm tap back by mm -hmm. putting tap on the concert stage with live jazz. So that's what we were up to. And at that point, that was our mission. Like how that was how we best thought we could save tap dancing with. So in other words, you don't just create the past. You also must create, you got to like John Bubbles. Yeah. John Bubbles, one of his best questions, and it's in some film footage of him, somebody interviewing him. And he goes, I think he says it to, uh, who's the tallest man, you know, like the, look like the, uh, Archangel. Okay, start naming. Not not, not Tommy Toon. <laughs> not Tommy Toon. No, 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 no. Black man. Um, black dude, tall black. Chuck dude. Green. Chuck Green. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, sure. Think yeah. big. No, okay. Think big. Think somebody who danced big. Yeah. Like big stance. Or yeah, yeah, right. The whole yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a there's some film footage somewhere where John John Bubbles <laughs> is in dialogue with Chuck Green. Yes. And he says to him, Chuck, well, you creating? You creating, right? You remember when I used to be uh, tap dancing? You know what was happening then? I was creating steps. Are you creating any? Yeah, sure. You, are you creating any steps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ought to be working constantly then. And that's the whole, that's, there's the whole story, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think about having a, making a dance company, yes, in a sense, it was based on particularly what Fred and I already knew about modern dance, you know, having a goal of bringing new ideas onto the concert stage. And mm. so we weren't, uh, we had no fear about, well, let's just make a dance company to do this. You know, it's three dancers, three musicians, ta-da. That's key, so, the no fear and, part, yeah. The other, the other thing was what we were, I, th I think that's very important about our early, early years is 
each of the three dancers <clears throat> had a big desire to learn as much as we could from who was still alive. And in that sense, I count myself totally fortunate. I'm sorry for the passing, Travis, of your teacher. I know, I do know what it, what it means. We just celebrated, some of us um, <laughs> celebrated about, you know, 20 years since Gregory passed. It's wow. that long. Yeah. And he was such a champion for all of us at all mm. levels. You know, he was able to relate to everybody and mm. did that on purpose. Everyone was included. Mm. And he was the one person who wouldn't allow, even though he had his own private opinions about things. Yeah. But he just wouldn't allow any BS in the public realm about TAP. Uh -huh. <laughs> we are a community. We support each other. Mm. You know, and if you're not in that, you, then... Excuse me. Uh, so, uh, Ali, I, 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 I promised you the next question, but I'm, I'm uh, hey, <laughs> let me be. <laughs> oh, poor Ali has to so Wait a minute. I, okay, this is, I, and then I'll, then I'll, I'm going to, okay. Hey, <laughs> hi. I, I, um, I'm currently struggling with what you just said. I'm currently struggling with the idea of community, with remaining open, with being inclusive. I'm currently mm, struggling. Mm. Uh, with right. this notion, and I know, no, or I'm confident that this is nothing new. Um, I, I, Gregory, he's buried in Oakville, um, Ontario, which is close to That's where I live. Right, I forgot about that. He's yeah. in Canada. He's in Canada. Which, which, I mean, I understand like how it happened, but I, but none of us understand why. You know, yeah. We, yeah. Oh, he's love. in Harlem, where he oh, should, love. you know. Yeah, right, right, right. The things yeah. we do for love but we know we know why and you know people take different paths okay right. so and he's there okay it's 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 a beautiful um site um well that's good to know i've never I, seen it it's I, I, it's something weird about me it's a it's a first so i didn't i didn't cry at his passing but i cried for the first time visiting his grave on on the on the stone it says something to the effect of um to all belong dance something dance something something that belongs that, to everyone or it all belongs to everyone yeah, exactly yeah. exactly that would make sense well that's now, good now that's because good. because of the history of the form because of the violence of minstrelsy i'm like torn about oh. the dance in in a way that i can't fully describe but do you understand or do you have a perspective on where Gregory was coming from um, with with his generosity of heart and openness, mm. or do you or do you understand how? In the sense of what? Oh, go ahead. So I I, I just don't I don't I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know how to be open. So um, I know that when I say tap dance, I'm I'm thinking about something very specific. I know that when okay. almost everyone else thinks tap dance, they're thinking about their their own things, and we all call ourselves tap dancers. In that regard, um, where I'm I'm trying to be specific on the floor, trying to be specific with my rhetoric, trying to be specific with my the points in history that I I gravitate towards. Um, it's hard for me to find openness of self, of being, of heart, to 
quote unquote tap dancers who do not share that sense of history, that sense of um, approach. Uh, so I'm struggling with the the community yeah. aspect to all. Uh, um, I mean, uh, so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, uh, I think one of the keys to Gregory's generosity and his ability to be so inclusive mm. uh, was his um, non-judgmental self. He, yeah. he kept that active all the time. Like, yeah, he wasn't a Virgo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but but the other side of that is, but if you want to know how he really felt, look at who he hired to work with him. Look at, you know, sure, there's sure, sure. you can figure out even from a showbiz point of view. But sure. but anyway, yeah, non-judgmental. Um, but wait, your see, your question huh, is so deep. We're in a time right now that is amazing because since... Black Lives Matter. Let's mm -hmm. let's let's. I mean, you know, you have to shape this somehow in time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say Black Lives Matter as an initiating force. Um. So much about black tap dance is being reclaimed mm -hmm. by, for example, you. You're mm -hmm. like a, a whole another generation, right? In my generation, for example, we make this dance company. My father is very thrilled, like, oh, Lenny, what is this? And why don't you look sharper? <laughs> I don't know. On the wardrobe and the costumes. I don't see any sequins. I don't know. <laughs> right, Dad. Yes, Dad. Okay. But, um, but when we began to tour, which would be like, I mean, 79, we actually got a job, you know, paying jobs in the end of 79. So that's why we say we started, you know, we made our first show in January 79. We had a paying gig by August. Amazing. And then we got a good agent, fortunately, because uh, for some reason. Anyway, I'm trying to say Black Lives Matter. And what has come forth since then has been so, so important because more and more black tap dancers have been able to find a way. And this is with an interest in history, obviously, you can't mm. do it without it, mm. um, to to reclaim, to restate what is the source of this and to, and to claim so that all the <clears throat> historical things about black and Irish, mm -hmm. which I still consider quite true, from a showbiz point of view, where where did black dancers and Irish, I mean, you can have me on a whole discussion about Bill Robinson and mm. what he did to become Bill Robinson and what kind of dancing he did and where did all that vocabulary come from, you know? Because mm. it's quite different from then the very next, like John Bubbles dropped the, you know, dropped right. the yes. patience, those kind of syncopate, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so I'm trying to say the reclaiming seems to me to be a very big part of the action today. And especially in the last few years, um, that doesn't answer your question. Though. Your question was about Gregory. Yeah. How, how, how did he do this? And he, 
I mean, I think <clears throat> I watched he was in show business as a kid. I mean, right. I saw him at the RKO Palace in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Heinz, Heinz, and Dad. Whereas mm -hmm. Dad was the drummer in the middle of the setup, and they, the two brothers, were side by side tap dancing. That was the act. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So, so he's been in it all that time, and he's evaluated, and he knows who his teachers are. Right. And he knows what he's interested in, you mm -hmm. know, like when they filmed him and he's on the back steps of the Apollo talking about Sandman Sims and what an influence Sandman was on him, you know. Mm. But but also the influence on him was his desire to be able to create what he wanted to do at the time he was doing it. I mean, improvisation. Right. And what he brought to that um was just so so important and it changed the picture of what was possible i think hmm. um anyway but that what's what's the <laughs> it's, it's it's tricky we like we can we can move on like it's it's just like uh when when i think about it he so he was the first person to be awarded the the hofers award is that right at uh, atdf is that correct like oh, must, probably must be because it was brand new. Yeah, there was this. There's this. Uh, so many, so much of ATDF is dedicated to, to Gregory. I Amazing. mean, he was yeah an ambassador. So like he 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 taught at the time. You know, I think it's early two thousands. He gets the award. He makes a lovely joke. He's ingratiating to the people. And then he, you know, he puts forward that. Oh, you know, so you look at a footage from it, from yeah. him receiving the award. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. So uh, he's he's talking about, um, you know, the he's talking about inclusivity. And if you have a pair of tap shoes, you're in. There's no special thing you have to do. There's no place you have to go. It's like you're in. I, uh -huh. I, I, if, if, if memory serves, like he's talking uh, in response to the toxic, I'm, you can't, you this is a podcast, so you, you can't see what I'm doing, but the I'm, I'm using air quotes, toxic, um, but it was toxic, actually, uh, uh, environment yeah, within tap dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the time, um, uh, uh, directly from an outsider looking in, uh, attributed to the success of Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk, um, having seen the show, uh, having grown yeah, up. This is where we are, really different generation, because you're right, you nailed it. Like, okay. that was another, that's such a major change point. Huge. Yeah, but it yeah. scared so many people. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so the the <laughs> the the truth bombs, the anger, the commentary. Tell me, Uncle Huckabuck, uh, uh, associated with that show. Um, you should have heard Harold. You should. What oh. you heard about Harold Nicholas's response was true. Ho pause. Was, oh wait. Oh wait. Wait. He's oh God. so upset. You know. Yes, of course. Where is he coming from? You know, like we do have to see the generations. It makes all the difference about yes. how we can understand each other. I exactly. Think. Well, this is why, you know, intergenerational conversation is extremely important. So at and the same hard. time, but before, <laughs> before, 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 <laughs> before I pass it off to you, Ali, the, um, I, you know, bring the nurse, bring the funk is, is a response to uh, the toxic environment um, that black people had to endure and have to endure within the United States, uh, within a yes. racist society. And, yes. you know, the, yes. the, the, the be, like, because of that, like the, the, 
the perspective that was unleashed in that show is extremely important. In contrast, a couple of years later, you have uh, Gregory Hines, you know, speaking a truth about humanity, like, you know, hey, we got we got to be open to each other. But um, where I'm currently struggling with, and of course, we don't have to figure it out now, I'm just saying, <laughs> what I'm currently struggling with is um, the balance between these two forces. Of course, we need to cooperate. This is another question I want to ask after Ali asks her question. Okay, but I, I want to I want I want to ask about you know the 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 team. There's an Afri African proverb proverb that says if you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so I'm like I'm curious about the team that you amassed in order to become a, a successful touring company for many many years. But I'm I'm what I'm saying is um, about Gregory and Savion. You know the the works by by these two tap dance artists. I, I'm trying to figure out way and, and commit to with my heart. Uh, you know wh where I fit in in into the whole equation. Um, there is much anger in me, but there's also much wanting and desire to connect, right? And so uh, yeah. I, 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 on on the one hand. I feel Gregory. On the other hand, I feel Savion and the work in bringing the noise, bringing the funk specifically. Um, yeah, do you feel Savion now? I don't know Savion now. But, or do, or, oh, okay. You know, I'm just, I'm like, I'm, you know, I, I haven't seen him in a while. I've heard, I've heard stories. I still do think he's one of the. Uh, I, I still do think he's uh, something different. You know, you spoke about uh, yeah, name your, it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you, you have every yeah. You spoke about your, you know, uh, your father owning dance schools, uh, and um, I when when you said that, I heard access uh, when I interviewed yes. when I interviewed uh, Jason Samuel Smith. Same thing with his his parents. Access, like you know, Broadway dance. I think right. it was Broadway Dance Center. I think they. they his, yeah, uh, yeah, but his father. His father, Jojo, and yeah, and his uh, father too. But I mean, it's. She was more like local and, you know, really went into a teaching career. Yeah. But her father was a professional jazz dancer. Access. Oh, no. When I think about Savion Glover. There weren't that many at the time of, of, of Jason's dad. You know? Yeah, right, right. It was unusual. Like right. when you're trying to find these words for what stood out, what was unique and all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, well, and last last thing, when I, when I think about Savion, he had uh, unique <laughs> access. I think he was 12 years old when he was in Black and Blue. The time in Paris yeah. that they spent in, I think it was eight yes. months. Unique access is right, but not just access. Go on. Not just access. It's like what you said to me about Ali uh, when you were saying, uh, you know, and I, and I have this student, I'd like her to. <laughs> yeah. Still hasn't said a word. Sorry, it's, I'm going to set up. We're going to make a space. Honest to God, we promise. Yes. Each of us promise you yes, right yes, now. Yes, but yes. what I want to say is in your intro, you know, like, and I'm like, well, who is Ali? Well, she's 15. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> All right, let's get this on. But um, but your introduction of her um, included, and I thought this was very important, that you, not only her own drive to become a really fine tap dancer and yeah. her search for knowledge and everything, mm. but that she had family backing her up. She you actually said this to me. Some, so I forget exactly how, but that, you know, her, her family backs her up. They get yeah. her to 
workshops are they because she's still, you know because you're still a kid Allie, <laughs> in a certain way yeah. let me go back to one other thing that might make it well no it won't but it's <laughs> there was a thought way back that i wanted to complete which was when jazz tap was doing its early lecture dims Mm-hmm. And when our our material was really clearly describing that there is this thing called black rhythm, called rhythm tap dance, mm-hmm. mostly practiced by black artists who mostly didn't get in the films and weren't known. And part of our mission was to make them known. Mm-hmm. So our lecture demonstrations that always in those days, if you had some NEA funding, Mm-hmm. to help you be able to tour it always included you you i mean you had your concert but you also had all kinds of community engagements mm. lecture dems in particular and our lecture dem my father in ohio came to we had one at like wittenberg university or in middle of ohio and he came and he and he, and he said to me afterward he said i don't understand your lecture dem he said i mean it was very good and it, you know okay it was very good but i don't understand you never mentioned fred astaire or gene kelly or eleanor powell Hmm. you know like (laughs) what's wrong with you or did i raise you wrong you know questioning like what's happened here and i said dad you've got to understand these are the artists who did not get the proper attention at the time they were at their height, mm. you know, except from a certain part of the population, but not us, mm. you know, and we feel it's totally important to say, this is where we're trying to come from. We're trying to pick up where they left off and carry it forward and create new work, you know, it, but okay. Da-da. So, and that was in like 1980. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Just to finish off that little okay. story. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so important. Uh, hi, Allie. <laughs> I'm going to, hi, do you have, you have a question, Allie? Yeah, I do have a question. Um, so basically what was it like to, you know, build your own company more specifically, like, how did you know what to do? Um, if you had like anyone guiding you or if it was just your group that kind of figured it out together as a first like touring tap dance company? That's a good question. Um, we certainly, I mean, it, in other words, that company had no stars in it. We were collaborators and we, we valued that. Like we worked together to do this. And because we each of all of us, the musicians too, had already had some kind of background professionally. Um, and I mean, you gotta say to these things like, and we're all university educated. I mean, you know, sure. talk about access. Sure. Yeah. But so we had models of like modern dance companies where a certain choreographer would want to get their work out there. And the way to do it was build a company and get jobs and choreograph the whole evening. Our thing was collaborative. It was what can we do as individual artists where we collaborate on every single piece we make. Somebody might make a solo and with one musician or we, or I might make 
a piece for the three dancers with the three musicians, but we made all our charts together. You know, we, we collaborated on everything. Hmm. And it's not like everybody loved everything everybody else was doing, but we all had, um, we were all developed enough to have a point of view, each of us. And we had strength that way. And then forging the strengths made a, a real kind of a powerhouse thing happen on a small scale. I mean, we were an ensemble. One mm. of the things about being us was you had to be able to create your own solo work and you had to be able to dance with each other and make things with the musicians. Mm. And so we had a variety of repertory in that first five years that included Keith Terry beginning to develop body music on mm. us. Mm. We had an opening mm. number, the six of us coming out, he's doing the whole thing. He made a comic number with Camden Richmond. That's like the best George Burns and Gracie Allen. Oh, wow. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's on my I put that one, the whole piece on the on my five disc uh anthology. Because let me order that right now. Let me order that right now. Yeah. Such yeah. a statement. Yeah. Um so where was I? Trying to say how did we do it? We all had experience. Fred had, was already in Bella Lewitsky's company. So he already was, was having experience as a professional modern dancer in somebody else's company, you know. And then we all had ideas about what we each wanted out hmm. of it. Um, and that initial company lasted five years before th enough things changed that personnel changed and, yeah. you know, lives changed and stuff. Um, can you can you take yeah. us into it like like what does it take like who are the people this is another selfish question uh but, but who, who are who are the people that's required would do this <laughs> that, yeah required <laughs> to have like a, I'm, and i'm talking about behind the scenes i'm not just talking about dancers but like behind the scenes who are the people that's required to have a successful touring company oh what does it take yeah okay like all personnel right. wise so, yeah so the creators and performers mm -hmm. all right in our case, it was three dancers, three musicians. Mm -hmm. We all had various smaller connections with each other from the past that we mm -hmm. were able to build on. Camden had a studio in Oakland that yeah, her husband, space. who was the bass player, and her husband, though they never got married, but I mean, they were together since college. Uh, he was also a carpenter, so he built the studio in their house, which was originally... Uh, in Oakland, a corner store, you know, I wouldn't call it a bodega because I think they were Asian, the actual previous owners, but, you know, a corner store. And yeah. so the whole ground floor was Camden's studio with a little dressing room built into the back and a backyard with a great uh, maple tree. Anyway, mm. little, wow. you know, it, so, so we had a place to work. Yeah. Fred and me had to come up with the money to fly back and forth between LA and Oakland mm. to rehearse those first few years. Right. So we did that. And then we started also getting some space. So we had to have space. Then we had to find somebody that believed in us enough that thought, well, that thought it would be worth it to get us booked because what we did that nobody ever gives us credit for, because they don't know how the business works 
we opened up the field for the booking of tap dance on the live stage. That is huge. That is what we did. And I, I claim it because when, when we were beginning <clears throat> to look for work and finding an agent, we found an agent. He had bigger companies like Palabolas was okay. one of his companies. So we were one of his small adventures, but he was able to book us into decent, theaters 500 to 2000 seats wow um but what what i'm saying about because 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 um presenters this is like what all it takes so there's the mm -hmm. agent he deals with the presenters who are mm -hmm. who hire you they <clears throat> at that time had no category for tap dance everybody thought tap dance was they thought at first that it was all going to look like in the movies white right. movies you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. So, and we're like, no, that's not what we do. Yeah, <laughs> that's not who we are. This is rhythm top dance. <laughs> this is from the Black Heritage. Hmm. Um, this is, you know, some of our mentor, or some of our teach, some of our inspirations are, and then we would name people, and then we'd send out these. <clears throat> this is a day of paper. Yep. Pre-digital anything. So big press packs with tons of information about our works, what inspired us, who we studied with. And you're sending these to the presenters? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, packets like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With eight by 10 glossy photos of everybody each and group shots. So what else does it take? It takes also having people, you know, like you have to get, you had, you have to have photos Mm -hmm. There's so many of these things are so much easier now. I mean, easier, but still necessary. And get it. Oh, absolutely necessary. Yeah. yeah. So to promote ourselves, this is pre. Yeah. So it's all on paper. Um, it Oh, we had to have a manager. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> At the start, it was a volunteer person, a good friend who was interested to help us. And then as we start getting work, of course, everybody expects to get paid. We're trying to pay ourselves. I got to say, dancers, our first two concerts that we created, at, we had Fred and I had a studio in Venice, California called Pacific Motion. And it was basically a two-studio thing upstairs in a two-story brick building mm -hmm. on Abbott Kinney, which is a main street in Venice. And so <clears throat> anyway, um. We produced 125 concerts of all different kinds of forms the first year, but that included us, Jazz Tap Ensemble, in January. And then we came back in March trying to change. We had to change one musician because that wasn't going to work. Yeah. And we had more work to create. And, you know, we're trying to improve what we had. Mm. And, and so then we did another set in March that way. So, okay, so we had to have these people then came promotion then came management then came that broader thing of getting to be known which again is so much in a way easier yeah, to yeah. Do, you know mm -hmm. but but the th but the thing i was making the point about about opening up the field for presentation of tap dance on a live stage is at the time we were beginning to get work we had to convince every single sponsor that people would sit through, would want to sit through <laughs> evening of tap dance. 
Right. <laughs> it has so much variety. We have all these works. We have small pieces, big yeah. pieces. You know, we think of a big piece like all six people are rocking it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, because the categories for booking, especially in the major halls, like the university halls, those mm. are very important to getting work. Um, and places like out here, Seagrestrom in Orange County is a major hall. The music center downtown, that's a major hall. You know, so you, anyway, there were no category for top There was no category for top dancing. The categories for dance booking were ballet, ballet, ballet. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe something called jazz dance. Wow. You know, like five ballet, one jazz dance yeah. in a year. Um, so that was part of the battle. And then another part of the battle which is a whole other thing was about black white. Sure. We had auditions at one point where no black person except two brothers uh, showed up because at that time it was still way too tap dancing was still in the broader sense and especially in the black community where people are rising and you know some things are getting better parents don't want their children uncle tomming they don't want to see minstrel shows blah 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 blah, blah you know mm -hmm. well of course we had first of all we weren't a minstrel show <laughs> yeah. and and we weren't trying to be mm. you know we were trying to find a fresh way to present contemporary what we consider contemporary tap dance yeah Know, and history along the way. I mean, we always like for I don't know three years. We closed our show with something called Jam with Honey. It was a piece we made. There was a tribute to Honey, but what it really was was made from the fourth step of the Shim Sham. Mm -hmm. You know, rock, 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 yeah. rock. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and then it had. Uh, solo improvs, eight, 16 bars for each of the dancers. But anyway, it was called Jam with Honey. And and we always acknowledged that it was based on a shim sham that we learned from Honey Coles. Nice. You know? And so it was a way also to include Honey yeah. in every show in those first years, even if he wasn't on stage. The shim sham that you learned from uh, Honey, did, did the second time step start on the one or the four? Four. <laughs> That's me being obnoxious. Sorry, go on. No, me and Dormisha. No, me and Dormisha. <laughs> me and Dormisha still fight about this because again, she <laughs> she loved what's his name? Leo? No. Leonard Reed? Claimed to be the creator of Leonard, the Leonard Reed, yeah. Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He loved Leonard. <laughs> and Leonard was out here a lot. And and Dormisha's from here. You know, yeah. she's from I hope they fix that on her bio. I keep meaning to write her. Her bio says she comes from Inglewood, but it's spelled like Inglewood, New Jersey. Oh, um, oh. damn, that's not right. It's Inglewood out here. I mm. and <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. We, I mean, we don't fight about it anymore. What's yeah. the point? But <laughs> yeah. Just also, no, because I actually learned the Shim Sham on stage. There was a. A big show at UCLA in Royce Hall, which is, yeah. you know, their major hall um, that was around the time of the Olympics. And it was 
and it was a tap dance show and it featured the Nicholas brothers and honey and Jimmy. I mean, it was a major show and jazz top. We were like a new tap dance company and we'd been in this little film where honey was the star of it. This documentary, British documentary where they picked up on two up and coming, you know, new tap companies. And we were the one from LA, the Mm. jazz ensemble. And then there was a little trio in Las Vegas that danced on drums and stuff and much more dramatic and show biz. I mean, Vegas, you know, anyway, uh, what about all this? I've lost it. From I'm trying to talk about the show at Royce Hall at UCLA. Okay. okay. How big okay. it was. And for that show, we were going to close the show with the Shim Sham. That yes. was already, everybody agreed to it. And there's a history behind why we even could talk to each other, which has we haven't even mentioned, but we helped create. And I was one of those people who did that. That's why Brenda likes to call us the Renaissance of Tap. We helped create the whole festival thing. Go on. Um, and the original festivals coming out of uh, Colorado, Tap Festival. Marta Kern. Yeah. And then Marta Kern, right. And Sally and Kriegsman, always mm. the two of them. You need to give credit. Um, in creating those festivals, we were able, and as Jazz Tap got more work, we were able to bring black artists, our elders, into onto stage you know Mm. as guest artists we were a company that actually had guest artists many many times starting in 86 at the joyce gregory hines agreed to be our first guest artist and that Mm. was our choice in new york debut right and you know the joyce is one of the few theaters in the country of the u.s that (laughs) that does dance 52 weeks a year Amazing. Yeah. Um, So Gregory was the first guest and many came after that. But, oh, man, it just takes all of this. This, I want to finish this shim sham. Oh, yeah, yeah. On stage at Royce Hall and dress rehearsal is almost over. You know, it's time for everybody to go away, get their bite to eat and get ready to do the show at eight o'clock. And I realized... I don't know the whole shim sham anymore. I learned it when I was a kid from my sure. mom, right? <laughs> but I was a kid and then, you know, I okay, so Fayard. That's why my second step goes for one because that's what Fayard did and he insisted. And so one time then later when I was back in Columbus and, and uh, I said, oh, you want to see the shim shim I learned from Fayard? And he said, oh, I love that second step. That's different. And I said, yeah, because our second step was uh, 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 to shuffle, hop, cross, step. Yeah. Shuffle, hop, cross, step. I said, no, this goes. Ah, yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, my dad was thrilled about that, and he said, "Okay, good. Let me learn that. <laughs> let me let me get some of that. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very good at that. He he took us. I saw um, Peg Leg Bates mm-hmm. when I was still a teenager because my father 
said, Pegleg Bates is performing in Chicago this weekend and we're going. And the thing about our family was the we're going was we get in the car in Columbus, Ohio, and we drive someplace, New York, Chicago, yeah. whatever. Um, and we did. We saw Pegleg Bates, you know, like that night. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. My father really honored the black art. I mean, he was he was alert. He was aware. Mm. He was also a white man in business, you yeah. know. It was interesting to me. He got sued in the 70s, civil rights, because he felt he couldn't have black students in his white ballroom classes. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. I was like, you know, oh. Just uh. to separate my dad, my teacher, the mm. artist, all the admiration. He's my dad. You know, all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, wait a minute, that means you're a racist. Yeah. Am I a racist? And then I look at, at the company at that point, and it's like Derek is now coming into the company, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, then, what am I? What do I have? You know, and it just made me more aware of oh, how much further we have to go and what we have to do and how we have to keep being clear about what we do and don't know, you know? That is such a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. It, like meaning, oh, meaning like the, uh, I think, I think what's required uh, around the world, quite frankly, is uh, um, a reckoning where a reckoning of storytelling where, um, you, you know, we look at the facts and, and tell uh, a different kind of story. For example, it, it will be like no surprise that um, I, I have I have questions for Hamilton. <laughs> oh, it's for like, the show. yeah, like I, I don't understand how it makes sense to have black and brown people playing uh, <laughs> playing George Washington, a slave owner. Like, I, I don't understand. And, and the show barely touches, if anything, touches on slavery it's kind of like having uh right. jewish people play hitler uh, uh, uh in a complimentary way just, yeah. it, it, it doesn't uh, i don't understand fuck, so. <laughs> it, 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 so so like what i mean by like reckoning or or, or like um figuring out how to how to ch how to tell more accurate stories is extremely important but some things are are, are hard to reconcile for example um the I'm not now I'm veering off, but, you know, the Renaissance, the, a part of the reason why I asked, what was it like in 78? Um, uh -huh. I'm trying to to track and really understand what is meant by Renaissance. And it's very helpful for me that you just uh, told me about the person who coined uh, the term. Yeah, um, because because as that was happening, uh, you know, there's all kinds of black shows that are on Broadway. I, I spoke to Tamango uh, maybe a year ago who talked about being a part of um, the young lions who were, who were doing, it, there's this like, there, it's like a, a tale of two cities. Like, so, so there are multiple things happening at all places and, and all times, but the story becomes uh, truncated to, um, I, at least the way it was told to me uh, in a way that, um, is not full. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, does, it, does that make sense to you? What I just said? 
Yeah, it does, but you're asking for so much. I know. You are asking for so much. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm what am I? 81. I'll be 82. You're doing Christmas. good, darling. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, yeah, you're asking for so much. Like, like, and I don't know what he said about the young lions and where did they go and where did we see them? Because I never got to see him do it. The only person yeah. I saw the young lions or the three lions, whatever, is um uh butterfly, Roxanne. Roxanne, oh yes, Roxanne. He um, knows. You know, mm -hmm. I, but, I, but I, I, you're yeah. trying to sort all these people and the stories out. That's mm -hmm. why it's so hard. You should talk to get Diane, but then you'll be on your Zoom for 24 hours because yeah. he's just got story after story after story. But, mm -hmm. and some of what you've got is, I think, really right. Like the minute you said, uh, Savion, he, he was, he was like, the little Jesus or something. Sure. He was, uh, I'm not using, that's not good vocabulary for this. I'm sorry. Excuse well, me. Uh, let's uh, just uh, say uh, the chosen uh, one. Let's just, no, let's, because this would be accurate. Savion was the chosen one in black and blue. Mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, Dormisha was in it too, but mm -hmm. Savion was a guy and all the guys were so happy to see him being so brilliant at such a young age yeah. and he was hungry you know like a sponge like he wanted everything yeah. all the time. and that's all he did i mean it, i think you know he steps in the theater with his headphones on and that's it that's all he's doing in his whole life and they they were thrilled you know and he would learn steps and the uh get information yeah so so the um this is i'm veering off i'm so sorry and ali i said i'm going i'm going over time. i'm so sorry i'm veering off you're, you're way too you're absolutely fascinating so um when you said gregory hines improvography i'm like i'm aware of this too that you know he at least he coined the term uh but you know to be to be clear like if gregory's doing improvography yes 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 what's jimmy slide doing what's what doing what's jimmy slide doing i feel like oh jimmy slides improvising yeah from but, the but, but Jimmy Slide, but here's a here's a difference. Yeah, Jimmy Slide over time. Have you ever seen him in the Judy Garland movie? No. Stars Born. Go oh, look up. Oh, look up no. original Stars Born, nineteen thirty something. What nineteen thirty five? Really? Okay. Look up the movie. You okay. know, the, there are two guys tap dancing in it. One of them is Jimmy Slide. Wow. So that's just to give a sense of his his life, which was never easy in mm. show. But I mean, he did he did do some things, yeah. yeah. And over time, he developed a vocabulary, yeah, that was distinguished. And some of the key points about how he felt about it, or what he said about it to others, like me or Derek or something, you know, were things like every move. Uh, everything, every move has to be distinct. We have to, he said, remember you're on a stage. We have to be able to see what you're doing. So you, you know, and it was a sense about movement, about completing it and stuff. And the sense about rhythms, how he developed the vocabulary of sliding 
it became, it's also part of his musical book. I mean, it's the musical statement is yeah. also completed by how the slide goes and then where right. it is. At the end, you know, at the end, you know uh, bah. yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so he developed the whole vocabulary and he was able to use that to improvise with his favorite tunes. I mean, that's the other thing. He had a musical repertory of songs that he loved. So when we made the piece called Interplay, our music director, we started picking, we to make the score and to make the dance, we started picking songs that we that we associated with Jimmy Sly. Mm. And the thing ends with Janine, this rock out Janine that was often a trade between Sam Weber and Derek Grant. Um, but it was the whole dance was based on our sense of Jimmy and the yeah. fact I got this little grant because he said, I'm not a choreographer. I said, I know you don't consider yourself that. I said, but you have so much just, you know, spend time. He said, okay, I'll spend time with you and Derek in Boston, in wherever we were. Mm. I can't think the name of the neighborhood, but it was Derek's neighborhood where his aunt had a studio. Access. Oh, yeah. Two hours every day for a couple of weeks. Oh my goodness. Go out and play golf afterwards. <laughs> But he would just browbeat us, you know. I mean, he, we would do one step over and over and over again. What an education! But mm. okay, I want. I'm trying to make the contrast. Okay. And you say, so what is Jimmy? Jimmy is a great, great improviser. He's a great musician. All mm -hmm. the musicians worked with throughout his career honored that they all had great communication. Mm -hmm. all the time that way gregory was trying to take a new step away from his whole broadway training and ability he's mm -hmm. at the top of broadway he could do all of that i mean he, was he could do all of that but he wanted to make his own statement his way of making a statement instead of having he had vocabulary also that was mm -hmm. specific but his way of making a statement was to allow that you can start anywhere and you make these sounds, you listen to what you're doing and you make those sounds and you see how they might develop and they might develop into this. Mm. Or, are you listening? They mm. could develop to this. And so improvography meant that it was, yeah, it was totally about improvisation, but the ography was, yeah, there's organizing principles. Right. Not the same ones as Broadway, because that makes Broadway show dancing. That's mm -hmm. not what he wanted his statement. So his statement became, in that sense, very personal. Jimmy Slides is very personal, too, but Gregory's. So some of the highlights of Gregory's, you can see it in our tape from 1986 at the Joyce, which is also on this thing. There's thing of Gregory, um, where he's where, as far as I'm concerned, he's beginning to work on these ideas. Yeah, he used uh, uh, us inviting him to be a guest artist because he always was very very smart and never wasted a minute. He used those. He did eight shows for free. Come on, man. He would pay him. He 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 would accept a per diem. So we give him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, used up quick. Um, 
So in those eight shows, you can, I could see a progression of him trying out these ideas. And then he had a club act. So he would incorporate the new ideas into his club act. He'd sing this song, tell this story and tap for a while. And people were so engaged because he was so uh, focused. It was yeah. great. It really made you listen. There was no that's, other way to accept it, to hear it, to get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, to be respectful to your time and Allie's time, I have two more questions. First okay. question belongs to Allie. Okay. Okay. Um, I have, it's kind of a, a heavy question, but it's, it's just something that I'm kind of like having a little challenge with right now. And I just wanted to know, like, if you had any advice, um, but as like a younger tap dancer, unfortunately, like I will never be able to work with or learn with some of the original masters or legend who have passed. And I would love to continue the oral tradition in the future, but the only resources I find that I have access to are like clips and learning from their mentees. So I find that can be a struggle for me to connect with them if I haven't experienced any lessons directly. So kind of my question is like, how does my generation tap into the lessons that they've passed down to the generation above us? Right. I still believe in uh, as much direct sources as you can get. So, um, for example, Eddie Brown, he was only documented once. He was like, okay, so he's one of my great teachers. Inspirations. He was only documented like there's a half hour. Uh, it was videotape originally, but go find the Eddie Brown um and what's the name of it? Something, what is science? What did he Scientific what? rhythm? Thank you. Scientific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, go look at scientific rhythm about a hundred times and get up and dance with it once you start to figure out uh, the, you know, the vocabulary, the steps. Try to dance with it and try to feel with him, you know, just run. It's like a half hour and he, in that half hour, he does. <laughs> he basically lays out his whole uh, agenda, mm. you know, because he comes from a generation where you had to be able to do Irish something, whatever it was, whether it was real or not, didn't matter. <laughs> it just mattered that you could do something that was and then you had to do a Scottish something and then you had to do a waltz clog. These are early forms that you maybe nobody teaches anymore. Nobody teaches a waltz club, but it's basically flap, shuffle, step, step. You know, a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, a six, a one, a two, a three. But that was one of the early modes, right? And a buck and wing and a thing. So if you look at that 30 minute tape, but really kind of like musicians, like I always think of the trumpeters out in the woods at Idlewild. That's like a summer camp for arts. And there'll be like 30 teenage trumpeters out in the woods, each practicing some famous solo. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Trumpeters have access to famous solos. They can both hear them in the recording and they can, you know, they've got um, sheet music or what, you know, they can read it and learn it. 
um, I think there's great value in trying to not just get the steps, but try to feel into how that person feels when they are dancing. Hmm. It enhances totally different feeling than, say, Jimmy Slide. There are also at least two good things of Jimmy Slide and Steve Condos. Don't miss Steve Condos. Just because he's white, don't count him out, please. <laughs> his his techniques, which he he started developing a technique uh, when he came out of the hospital, out of heart, you know, something serious with his heart. Um, and that technique, for example, Sam Weber took it on and developed a whole thing out of it. And then later, this is this to me is generational, Travis. Jason took it on and doubled the time. Oh, he doubled everything. <laughs> <laughs> if the step was ball, heel, ball, heel, he made it ball, ball, heel, heel, ball, ball, heel, heel. And then you had to double that within that time. So ball, 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 heel, heel, you know? <laughs> whole thing about the energy and the feel and the soda but but jason really so i i i think that's a good contrast for a young dancer mm. just like look look at how sam weber does stuff try to mm. study with sam if you can sometime uh and jason mm. you know and then how jason does you know it's like a, a good example of how that goes but that thing of trying to feel into the dancing I was about to say, like, including like the the agency that's required to to um, adapt something like the condos rudiments uh, to to your own way of doing things. Uh, yeah. and, and instead of agency, I'm going to use the word responsibility. <laughs> oh, good. sure. Yeah. 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 That's all. yeah. Because as you begin to well, especially just by doing it, mm -hmm. if it's interesting to you, you will. You'll want to you'll want to create your own. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. and that's what you should do. Yeah. I think so, Lawrence is a real good example of that. She's had that kind of training. So has Derek. Derek out here from uh, he calls him his uncle. Maybe it is his uncle. I don't know. Um, the brother and sister out here that are like the black tap dance. They're also Joseph and Josette. No, no, no. Oh, See, oh. generation. <laughs> Alive, yeah. Uh, no. I just showed my whole hand. My whole hand here is my whole hand. <laughs> Sorry, go on. The teacher of Dormisha and of Derek is yeah, uh, the Kennedys. Kennedys, thank Paul you. Arlene, okay. Yeah. I speak of Paul Kennedy, and what a great teacher he was of Derek, who was who really got not just the techniques that he learned from Paul, but also Paul had a great gift for choreography. He was really good at it. And Derek learned about that, you know, when he was, when he was young, you know what I mean? So anyway, there's that. Where are we with Allie's question? Is that <laughs> the answer? That we get an answer? Pick, pick favorite dancers that you feel mm. responsible to, but allow yourself to see the different because and okay in this is the modern dancer in me probably speaking but i'm saying look at how their body how they take the weight how they feel about it do, are they big in space or are they contained? Mm. how do they like to move because there's each person's different the other thing i have to say about that to you now learning 
and th okay, and this is more, I don't mean it to be um, a plug, but it's my perception. I was able to see the three weekend showings of uh, Jacob's Pillow mm -hmm. tap thing, the, the tap workshop at Jacob's. Okay, wait, let's put it this way. I'm somebody, I went to Ohio State University, which had a kick-ass dance department. We were all so serious and we knew who Nurse Cunningham was and Martha Graham. And we went to those workshops in the summer, six weeks, mm. you know, and we met those people. They were walking around live and teaching and performing. Okay, so I have a similar goal for TAP in terms of workshops. Well, I think Dormisha fought to get um, Jacob's Pillow to go to three weeks for TAP, which was so smart because it's enough time to get something done. Mm. And so um, what I'm saying is after seeing, and they're now several years into it. This is not just, it started yesterday. They, they, These young people have been developing this particular thing. Diane was doing it first with Jimmy and making a certain thing. But this is, okay, they only take 24, 25 people. And you have to get recommended to get in it. But you're 15 years old. And if you can already dance somewhat, or you feel you can, you know, you should put yourself out there and audition for that mm -hmm. workshop and get over there. Because when I looked at the three weeks as a much older person with a whole other history, I look at uh, the three main characters in that summer workshop at this point are Dormisha and mm, Michelle Dorrance and Derek Grant. Mm. Okay. All three of those dancers have massive backgrounds. And yes, they have the good fortune because Dormisha was in the same show with Savion. Mm -hmm. Dormisha saw just as much, and believe me, she's as much of a sponge as Savion. Mm. Always was. She, um, so they had access to some of the older people, mm. some of but they also, each of the three of them are totally serious about all their historical learning, you know, and they've taken care with it and they've taken it into their work and how they, you know, how they do things and stuff. So that's like three of the top people in the country running a training program for a couple dozen young people you know out in the woods in the summer mm. if you haven't been there jacob's prologue it's really great um it that would be a workshop to get to so different from the more individual certain workshops which are great and should be you know we should go to them of course but this one i think has become uh i want to say the most special mm. and the and the deepest you know mm. Can you, uh, so I want to preface this by saying, hey, uh, if I haven't turned you off of like interviews, podcasting, balding black men, uh, would you uh, oh, be down? Would, would, you be, would you be down to do a part two, three, four, five, six? Like I, like the, I have a whole slew of questions just about choreography uh, that uh, I, would, I would love to. Uh, oh, I love choreography. You know, I mean, come on. Um, okay. But yes. I'm going to be a good person and 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 stick to the plan yeah for this oh, last yeah. for this last question 
can you track from because you're a time traveler right so from 1979 to 2023 can you track the influence that modern dance has had on tap dance Hmm. no (laughs) here's the thing here's the thing one of the things about having a company and getting it on the road and getting work is you have an identity and especially new york writers when we founded jazz tap they knew how to write about modern dance and so i got a lot of attention for that the fact that i came from a modern dance background had put my tap shoes in the closet for a decade brought them back out blah blah but influence today i don't even keep up with modern dance today so i don't know you know i'll tell you i'll I'll tell you what i see and it's not so much an influence on tap in terms of um new work you know but that um right now everybody's turning back to uh jitterbug swing early forms mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of the reclamation project i'm calling it in my head you know yeah. like and claiming where this dance comes from and and the social importance of it mm-hmm. and so then there's a whole week at the joyce with what's his name a terrific guy who was a really good tap dancer um but he did a whole week of swing dance at the joyce okay just I don't know, a few months back. I'm not sure. Caleb, you're talking about Caleb? Caleb, Caleb, exactly. Caleb, yeah. 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 I I have to count on you to keep me up. (laughs) (laughs) Can't trust me. Yeah, Caleb, phenomenal. Uh, The question was influence of modern dance on tap today. Well, I ask ask because, you know, Heather Cornell comes from... Oh, Heather what? Heather Cornell comes from modern dance. And, like, I feel like there's something something that was taught within these classes that informed... What yeah. Next? yeah. Well, okay. Talk about because um, Brenda likes to talk about it. Brenda. Brenda did a great presentation of me for an award last in June, um, some a New York award, Flobert. Oh, cool. And I to, I called her and said thank you. Congratulations! Was, very good. Very good. I said, but we got to transcribe it because when I pass, nobody has to do any work. They just got to read what you just said for how. <laughs> Perfect, you know, uh, but her her description of me and the full bodiedness of my work, full bodied and and three dimensional space use of dimensional space, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Those mm-hmm. are those are perhaps early influences for those who cared about them. a lot of people. Didn't, who cares? You know, like I just want to do what I want to do right on the spot. I'm doing it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> go ahead. It's your dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah. uh, um, so I, I, I can't thank you enough. You know, you've made my day. You've made my month. I really enjoy these conversations. <clears throat> it's been a long time since I've done a podcast. To be honest, it's it's like it's... well, I saw your your interview of Sam. That was why I wrote you because I thought I remember you did ask me something about maybe doing this, and I was yeah. Like, eight hours of the new york public i'm like okay i don't have to do any more interviews the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think yeah i think uh, it happened at the perfect time to hear more from from you ali and you should you know take my email 
you know, if you have another question. Look at this. Oh, the connections have been made. Yeah. That, yeah. And sometime I hope to see you dance. I mean, that would really be the point. Mm -hmm. But but take my advice about Jacob's Pillow. If it's not this coming summer, then it's, the next, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Figure out when you're ready to put yourself mm -hmm. forward that way. But I'm telling you, when I look around the country, the whole country at this time, that would be one of the places to go spend three weeks of your life. Oh, you my know? goodness. I only get to do it once. I think they don't let people repeat it because they're okay. a yeah. new group every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, the, the, the young people that you meet there, you're going to know them for the rest of your life. You're, you're oh, like, yeah. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's your affinity group. It's huge. Very important. That was uh, part of the modern dance world too. You know, like when we went to these big six week summer workshops where we mm. met all these people who were still alive. Martha Graham was walking around when in the sixties when I went to those. But then you know everybody that you met that summer too. Ridiculous. Because you care because you all were trying to do the same thing together. You know? So it makes a whole batch of new friends. It's good uh thank you so much to be continued if you'll have me to be continued uh it's 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 ridiculous i'm gonna go i'm gonna sign off and i'm gonna go upstairs and my wife's gonna know exactly what happened because my smile is going to be from ear to ear as it already is uh so thank you thank you thank you um Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support Tap Love Tours, then join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Travis Knights. Patreon is a service that allows people to support artists and creatives to make that make content uh, that they enjoy or benefit from. If you're considering joining, know this, you will be contributing to the creation of new work. Tap Love Tour goes beyond this podcast. TLT is a production house that creates pieces, music, dance, vlogs, documentaries, all related to the dance. In fact, we're currently in post-production. I know it's like coming up so soon. I could taste it. We're currently in post-production on a documentary funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and Tap Love Tour Patreon subscribers called Restorative Culture, Jonathan Morin. It's coming out very soon. Uh, we're super excited. I have plans for collaborations that are now achievable over time with this Patreon model. You're all essentially Tap Love Tour micro-producers. Uh, so if you want to help us to create, if you want to Join the Tap Love Tour family, then head over to patreon.com slash Travis Knights and join at any tier that you feel makes sense to you. We'll be, we'll be back next time with another wonderful guest or maybe part two with Lynn. Oh my God. <clears throat> Until then. <laughs> Until then. Much love. One love. Tap love. Peace.